0: I read one time that mother is not a honorary title, it's a job description. One dad was explaining or trying to explain marriage to his young kids one time, so he got out the wedding album and was showing them pictures of the ceremony and all that, and one of the younger children looked at it and said, Daddy, is this when Mommy came to work for us? It's a job description. I read about a little boy, six or seven years old, who answered the phone and somebody asked for the lady of the house. And he said, "Mommy's in the hospital, and the twins and Roxy and Billy and Sally and the dog and me and Dad are all home alone." It's a job description to be a mother, and I'm sure that it's overwhelming uh, to mothers to understand, uh, to contemplate what all they're supposed to do, and I want to encourage you just a little bit as we start here, and we'll get to the text in just a moment, but uh, I think part of the problem is that in that job description, perhaps, uh, we let the world enlarge that job description. Uh, We let the world tell mothers that they're supposed to do all sorts of things uh, that, that are good things, but they're not necessarily in God's job description. Mothers feel like they have to keep the the perfect house and uh, dress and look like a supermodel and feed everybody perfect food and get everybody into the best college and uh, raise the best athletes and the best musicians and get everybody on the dean's list and have them have the perfect spouse and uh, have the perfect career and so the grandchildren will be perfect and, and on and on we add all that in. Now the grandchildren will be perfect, no matter no matter what the, the rest of it goes. But we, we get that job description so big that it is impossible, and that's why I entitled this this sermon: A Mother's Number One Job. Maybe maybe remember a few years ago there was one of the car companies that their slogan was "Quality is Job One," and they did that to ask themselves continually: What's our first job? What's our number one job? What are we supposed to do? Well, we produce quality. Deuteronomy 6 defines a mother's number one job. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, this is when the people are going into the promised land, and Moses told them, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that You, your children, and their children after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. There's nothing in there about playing baby Einstein for the kids so they will have a higher IQ. Uh, Nothing in there about getting on dean's lists or getting multiple degrees or GPAs or scholarships or trophies or championships or blue ribbons. It's about faithful children. God said, parents, here's the task. I'm giving you the, the list of commands and the things that I expect, and I want you to teach your children that. I want them to be faithful to me. I want them to fear me and honor me and obey my law so that they can have a good life. That's job number one. Parent and mothers, your job is to get your kids ready for the world. Now, that's a huge job. Um, If you eliminate all those other expectations that the world puts on you, that's still a huge job. Because that includes getting them ready uh, for peer pressure and the culture that we live in, which is Christless, and materialism and the darkness of this old world, that's job one. Get kids ready for that so they can be faithful in that world. Jesus said in John 17:4, uh, said to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus understood what his job one was. And toward the end of his life, he said, I've I've done it. I've come down here, I've completed the work you gave me. I've brought you glory by completing that work. Well, mothers, you've got a job. You've got job number one is to raise faithful children, to prepare them for this world. Now, that may take some of the pressure off, I hope, if you just keep going back to that job one. I'm supposed to raise faithful children, and all the other expectations that the world puts on are extraneous, they're not bad, perhaps, but they may interfere with raising faithful children sometimes. But once you've got that, you may still ask, well, what do I do, and how do I do it? So let me give you just a few tips from that scripture that we read, and the reason I picked that is because... It's one of the best mother examples we've got in the Bible, I guess. Uh, We've got a few good ones, but uh, this one seems to be really good because Timothy turned out pretty good. Timothy seemed to be a great young man. Turned out real well. He was Paul's faithful helper. And if we understand the situation, uh, he was born to Eunice, who was a Jewess, and his father was a Greek. Eunice was a Christian. She was a believer. As far as we know, his father was not. It doesn't mention his father. Uh, Most scholars think that his father either died when he was young or left the family, and so Eunice was probably a single mom. And she raised this boy, according to Deuteronomy 6, she, she raised a faithful young man. And he became Paul's trusted helper, and Paul treated him as a son. And we don't have many details. We don't have any directions for mothers, but there's a couple of things I think we can figure out from this. Number one, Eunice started very young with Timothy. Paul said in his letter there, he said, from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. Deuteronomy 6 talks about that. All the time, wherever you go, when you get up, when you put them to bed, when you're sitting at the table, all the time you're teaching them about God. Now you can teach them the other things they need to know in life also, but you're teaching them about God. And you think, well, what can they learn about Scripture when they're infants? Well, if you've, you've all seen examples of that. Mothers that do that right, and fathers help, of course, they do that right. Young people understand the basics. Remember one time my granddaughter Kate was very young, I think she was about three or so, and she was testing me on something and like she wants to do. And I said, hold it just a second. I said, who's in charge here? And she said, God. (laughs) And and I'm thankful that her mother and my other daughter-in-law are raising my grandkids that way. From infancy, they're learning the basics about who really is in charge. Uh, That's how what Eunice did. We don't have any details about how she did it, but she started very young to teach Timothy what he needed to know. The second clue, and about the only other clue in here, is that she lived it. Paul says that. She didn't just teach him about God. She lived her faith. Paul said, "Uh, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. So so not only did she teach very young to Timothy, but she lived that faith. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan was a great preacher in the past, famous preacher. He had four sons, and all of them were pretty famous preachers. So there were five famous preachers in the family and uh, they were at a family reunion one time and a friend of one of the sons asked him, he said, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? And he had a twinkle in his eye, but he looked over at his father and he said, it's mother. Uh, She probably was the best preacher in the family. Uh, That was a mother's role and she taught, and she lived it, and they recognized that. Uh, Mothers, bringing a child to church is one thing, but living Christianity the rest of the week is what raises a faithful child. Uh, Kids can figure that out real quick if you do one thing on Sunday and don't do it the rest of the week. If you uh, carry the Bible to church on Sunday but don't open it the rest of the week and never talk about it, the child figures out pretty quick how unimportant Christianity is. So those are two things, I think, from the story of Timothy. is She taught him very young, and she lived her faith. Now, I want to spend most of my time on the third thing that I picked up from this, is Eunice had help. She had a really special help that not all mothers have. Her special help was... Her mother. She had Lois. If you read that story, that's where the faith first lived. And assuming she was a single mom, uh, Lois was still helping, evidently. Uh, So she had this uh, amazing, special help of a great mother herself. Now, I know this is probably blasphemous to say this on Mother's Day, but. There aren't that many great mothers. I know Hallmark doesn't understand that. You go to the store and you can read the whole rack and every mother is just wonderful. Some of them, you open them, the card, and the syrup kind of starts to run out on you. You know, it just goes on and on about this angel mother and this and this and And there are some of those. Uh, All of the cards sound like all mothers are ten times better than Lois and Eunice. And a lot of Mother's Day sermons are that way. They go on and on about how perfect and wonderful and uh, honored mothers ought to be, and we should honor mothers. But you and I know better. You and I have been in the real world and realize there aren't that many great mothers. That may bother someone for me to say that, but it's true. How many jokes have you heard about therapists and their clients and the client uh, thinking, my mother messed me up? You know, how, how many people in real life have you known who their mother did mess them up? You know, they've got mother issues, as Phil Robertson calls it, when there's a problem. I Googled types of mothers and early in preparation for this. I thought I'd find something funny. You know? I thought I'd find some joke maybe about types of mothers and be able to use that as an introduction or something. And what I got was all these types of imperfect mothers. You know? Uh, one list had, uh, there's a perfectionist mother. And they're over-controlling and here's what they do and here's how they mess up the kids. And then they had an unpredictable mother who's angry and overly emotional and you never know what mood she's going to be in and here's how she messes up the kids. And then there's the best friend mother who thinks if I can just be an equal with my kids, then I won't have the responsibility of ever setting a boundary. I'll just be their best friend. And then there's a me-first mother who's so self-absorbed and insecure that everything's about her, and here's how she messes up the kids. I got about that far, and I'm so depressed, I quit. (laughs) You know, I I don't know how anybody makes it in this old world. And we know there are types of mothers like that. Uh, The truth is, not everyone maybe not even a majority of mothers, have the advantage of a lois. Have the advantage of a godly, faithful mother to help them in their mother. Not everybody has that. I know this is true from a little bit of life experience and a few other things, uh, one thing that helps me understand that is on Know Your Bible when we we get questions sometimes about honoring parents. The Bible says you're supposed to honor the mother and father. What's that mean? Well, we'll answer that. And I can guarantee you the Sunday that that's on, that answer is on, we will get calls and letters that say, you don't understand. How can you honor a mother or a father when they don't deserve the honor. You don't know what my mother and father did. You don't know what they were like. How can you say I've got to honor them? We get a lot of that, don't we, Bill? That's what's out there. Yeah. And our answer basically has to come back, well, you got to do the best you can. You know, Not many mothers and fathers are perfect. Not many of them are great. They may have done a horrible job, but you've got to do the best you can at honoring them. You've got to do your best you can at forgiving them. Brother Rob prayed about that. Sometimes it seems impossible to forgive, but that just messes your life up. Well, we've got to forgive as we've been forgiven, and and. I understand there's some parents that you can't honor to a full degree, but you got to honor, honor them to the degree that you can, and it may be not very much, but it's a command of God. Honor your mother and father. He, when you do the right thing, even though it seems impossible, He can bless that. So I'm talking to those of you who didn't have the perfect Lois. To help you learn how to be a mother, you got to forgive, you got to honor as best you can. And beyond that, the second thing I'd say to you is it's your opportunity to break the cycle, it's your opportunity to be like a Eunice or a Lois. You know. Sometimes when we're preaching first principles, we're preaching about the church or something, we talk about how the church is such a brilliant plan of God and how it's supposed to teach the gospel to the world and all of that and we kind of focus on the church's Christ body in the world and all that. I think the church is more brilliant than we realize. I think it's a more amazing invention than we can ever imagine, because I think not only does it do the work of Christ on earth and evangelizing and all that, but I think in many, many cases it replaces the family when the family is lacking. In the church, you can have the lowest if you didn't have one at home. Titus 2 talks about that. Titus 2 says that older women are supposed to teach younger women in the church. you realize Eunice probably didn't need that? Eunice had Lois at home. Eunice probably didn't need an older woman at church to teach her much. But she's the exception. Most mothers can use the help of a a godly Titus II woman. I know my wife, when she was a a young mother, and a young wife for that matter, uh, didn't know what to do sometimes. And I know who she went to. I know who she talked to, and it was at church. She talked to the Margie Casebooks, and the Edna's, and the Lindy's, people like that, that she could look up to and say, tell me how to handle this. When your husband does something this stupid, what do you do? <laughs> it was just a hypothetical. <laughs> but when you've got a kid like this, what do you do? I think that that's one purpose of the church. Uh, today at Northside, we've got something that's working at that. I, you know, I think it's working and growing. It's the Hearts to Home or Titus Two Ministry or the Owls. I don't know what they call it. they got all kinds of names for it. But it's older women getting together with younger women. And they're talking about all kinds of things. I don't know what they talk about. I'm never allowed to stay around during the meetings, but they... <laughs> talk about all kinds of things, and they're doing what the Bible says. Like I said, some women have a Lois at home, so they don't need that so much, but there's a whole lot to do. Had a meeting at our house a few weeks ago, and I was evicted. I have to go somewhere else during that, but I came home about the time that they were supposed to be done. Well, they weren't anywhere close to done. They were still carrying on Still talking and going and laughing and and all of that, so I went down to the basement and stayed out of the way. Uh, I talked to Cindy about that meeting of later because we were talking about this sermon and what I was going to say, and she said, "You need to talk about this a little bit because she told me at that meeting they talked about mothers, and she told me in in confidence and you don't know which meeting it was, so you don't know who it was, but She said more than half of the women there didn't have a Lois kind of mother. Didn't have that kind of story to tell about a godly mother that raised faithful children, did everything right, and was perfect like a Hallmark card and all that. That's not real life. Older women, uh, there's a role for you in the church. Uh, we usually talk about Mother's Day as just a, a great day to honor mothers, and I think it is. But let me encourage some of you older women to fill that role. And the cool thing about it is, kind of like grandparenting, you, you don't have to be have been the perfect parent to be the perfect grandparent. And if you, as a mother, you know the things you did wrong. You can be a help to a younger mother that doesn't have a Lois at home. And current mothers, we do honor you for for doing an impossible job, but if you didn't happen to have a Lois at home, there's some Loises in this building. Uh, You can find a mother example here at Northside somewhere to help you uh, do that impossible job. There are no perfect mothers, at least very, very few. Almost all of them are imperfect to some degree or another. But let me not get this wrong. Let me make sure he understands. Even though most mothers are imperfect and don't do Deuteronomy 6 perfectly or they don't do Eunice exactly right, a mother's love is still a very special love. A mother's love is a very unique, different kind of love. We see it in humans. and We see it and God even gave it to the animal world. I mean, we talk about that. You you know, a mother grizzly, you get between her and her cubs, you're in trouble. And it doesn't just have to be a grizzly bear. On my front porch, we have a bird's nest every year, and mama doesn't like you going close to that at certain times. She'll attack me. You know, I'll outweigh her by quite a bit, but she'll still try to keep me away from her babies. God put that love in the animal kingdom and he put it in humans. A mother's love is a very special thing. In fact, it's so special that God and Jesus both used a mother's love to try to illustrate their own love. To try to tell how much they loved us. Remember Jesus looked at Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem. That I loved you like a mother. Mother, he and I wanted you to come to me. And God uses a mother's love to illustrate his love also. Mother's love is a very special thing. And mothers, we honor you today for the, the job you're doing. We encourage you to, to find help if you need help, a good example. Uh, but we honor you for, for motherhood. It's a great job description. If you're here this morning and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.